you're like me, you personally set goals or uh, establish the things you hope to achieve. We, we call those resolutions a lot of times. Well, that's what they are. They're, they're goals. And I was talking to my wife about them a little bit yesterday. And uh, she said, well, you have big goals. And um, I said, well, yeah, I guess I, guess I do. Um, there's a, a term in the business world that's called a BHAG. Anybody ever heard of a BHAG? It's a big, hairy, audacious goal. And um, sometimes BHAGs are a good thing. I'm excited for what awaits us in 2023. I think it's good for us to set goals, for us to have hopes and desires of, of what we might be able to achieve. But we also must recognize the one in whom all things are held. You've probably heard it said before that if you want to hear God laugh, tell Him your plans. Back in the early part of December, Tiffany and I knew that we had a very busy month ahead, and so we set out with a calendar and we plotted the month and had everything just kind of planned out to a T on, on what we hoped to do and when. And I want you to know we did none of it according to that plan. God comes and things happen and life gets thrown upside down and you're hit with this thing or that thing. And ultimately what we all do is the very best that we can, isn't it? Yeah, we enter into a new year like this one and it's an exciting thing. And it makes sense that it is. It's always exciting to start something new. Now sometimes it's, it's, it's makes us nervous or apprehensive or, or anxious to start something new. And as I tell my kids, it's good. That we're, we're getting nervous sometimes. It means we care. It means we enter into a year with a, a care about what's going to happen to us. There's a hope that comes with a new year, an excitement and a desire to give it our very best shot. Now you, like me, have probably heard all the studies about New Year's resolutions and how if you went today over to the gym, it would be packed with cars. And if you go back in two weeks, it won't be so packed. And you go back in four weeks, and it won't be so packed. And if you go back in six weeks, the Lord already closed the gym because everybody's broken their New Year's resolutions. right? So we know all those studies. We've all done those sorts of things. And we see those things that take place. My hope today is that we might be rightly grounded as it relates to how we can view what the future holds. You see, when we think about what 2023 holds, we sing songs about this. It's not so much about what 2023 holds as much as it is who holds 2023. And we know that Scripture teaches us to redeem the time. That is to make the most of the time and the opportunities that are given to us. But the question then must be asked is, how do we do that? How do we make the most of the time that has been given to us? Or here in particular, as we ring in a new year in 2023, how do we make the most of a new year? C.H. Spurgeon preached a sermon one time, and it was the day before he turned 21. The day before he turned 21, and in his opening remarks of that sermon, he said this, he said, It well behooves me, now that another year of my existence has almost gone, standing on the threshold of a fresh era, to consider what I am, where I am going, what I am doing, whom I am serving, and what shall be my reward? Those are worthwhile questions even for us as we enter into 2023. 
what I am, where I am going, what I am doing, whom I am serving, and what shall be my reward. Read with me here in James chapter 4, and I'm going to bounce around to a few different places today, and y'all bear with me. And um, you know, a, a few weeks back, I unknowingly preached twice uh, with with uh, with COVID, and um, I got over that. And I'm only now to have caught what my wife and my son had—not COVID, but something else. So, um, y'all pray for me. I think my wife would tell you that around about four o'clock this morning, uh, her nor I had any clue how I was going to be able to preach. Um, yet the Lord provides strength, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, so, y'all pray for me as uh, we look to the scriptures here this morning. I want to look at just four verses here, or excuse me, five verses here in the book of James, the fourth chapter, and we'll begin at verse 13. James begins, and I'll say this about the book of James, I actually read this in my studies this week, that the book of James is to the New Testament, sort of what Proverbs is to the Old Testament. James is just chock full of, of practical wisdom for us. And that's what we're going to see here. In fact, you could probably even get a sense, if you weren't reading this out of the book of James, I just gave you a page with these five verses on it, you might think that it was taken from the book of Proverbs. Even consider how James starts here in verse 13. He says, go to now. Now that's not language that we use today, but what he is saying, he's saying, come now. And he's almost doing it in a way as if to called to our attention our folly as humans. When he says, go to now or come now, you that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He is calling the attention to the people who make plans for tomorrow and do so according to their own desires and on their own strength. He's saying, come now, all you that say this. And he says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, that you don't know what tomorrow holds. And none of us do. I think sometimes we get caught up in the comforts and in the trappings of our day-to-day lives where the sun sets and the sun rises each day and we get up and we get into our patterns of behaviors and our tendencies and our habits. And as a result of that, we lose sight of this reality that none of us know what tomorrow holds. It might be to you of great welfare. It may be to you of great harm. You might wake up in the morning and suddenly there is some great uh, illness that has fallen upon you. You might wake up to some good news of some great thing that has happened. None of us know what tomorrow holds. And that cannot be just some whimsical thought that enters into our mind that truly we don't know what tomorrow holds. But that must be a reality for us as we go through life each day that we do not know what tomorrow holds. Because when we get that right understanding that we don't know what tomorrow holds, it will change how we think about today. When you don't know what tomorrow holds, it makes today a greater thing and a greater benefit. You guys all remember that song, right? The sun will come out tomorrow. That tomorrow is just a day away. I ain't going to try to sing it. Don't worry about that. 
We know that song, right? And there's always the hope of tomorrow as there's the hope of the new year. But what if I told you that hope was gone? That there was no promise of tomorrow? That would surely change how you pay attention to every minute that you have today, wouldn't it? I was reading about, some people may have heard of George Whitefield. He's a preacher. and It was said of George Whitefield that before he would go to bed at night, that he would pay good attention just to where he put his gloves. That if he was to die that night, that people might say that he left his gloves in order. I'm probably a little bit like that. My wife would, would probably say that I'm probably too much like that. But the point that was we see in this example of Mr. Whitefield or George Whitefield is that what he was showing was a special attention to the day. That everything would be found in order that he might be able to rest in knowing that if his life was called to an end, if the tomorrow did not come, that everything was in order today. Now, if you're like me, your life is just a, a mess, Right? I mean, most of the time, I don't know if I'm coming or if I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. If it wasn't for my wife, I would miss every appointment. I wouldn't show up to birthday parties and all of these sorts of things. I, I would just always be without a direction in where I was going or where I was to be at. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time with this. But if we were to look and understand of the importance of today, what we would find is that we begin to recognize and order ourselves in such a way as to make the most of every moment. To make the most of every second that is before us. I believe it was said of the old theologian John Wesley that in his journal, that he kept his journal, kept record of his day in 20-minute increments. A couple of years back after my wife's grandmother passed away and uh, many of you knew Sister Joyce and, and she kept a wonderful journal. And the family just had a wonderful time reading her journal entries that she journaled just about every day. And so my father-in-law bought all of us, his children and his, his uh, children-in-laws, and he bought all of us journals that we could take up that habit. I want you to know, I don't know where that journal is and I never made one entry. But here we see these examples of these great saints of God who paid such close attention to it that they would break it down even into 20 minutes increments. Now if you're like me, you're thinking, how would I ever even have the time to do that? But what I'm trying to provide to you is these examples of the importance of how we view today. I think that's what James was doing also. What if in 2023 we made the most of every minute? What if we made the most of every moment? What if we were to get the view of life from a momentary standpoint and then be able to view God from His eternal standpoint? Because isn't that really what it is? Oftentimes you'll see that we compare ourselves and our existence against God by viewing us as temporal or, or having a temporary existence and God being eternal in His nature but I think even temporary probably doesn't do the service to our existence as much as the word momentary does. That we have an existence that is but for a moment when we think about the grand scheme of eternity. Yet God is eternal. You know, I was thinking about 
this morning of the reality of 2023 and we set our years. I'm thankful that we have calendars and all these sorts of things. And I want you to know, I'm just saying this for one person when I say this, that we wouldn't be able to have a calendar if the world was flat. I mean, it is because the world is round that we have this ability to have a calendar. Um, some of you know who I'm talking about. Um, and, and we'll take that up later. <laughs> but nevertheless, what we see in this is that God has gifted us time. For God, turning the calendar from 2022 to 2023 is no big thing at all. He's eternal. What difference does one year make to the next when He is eternal? Time for God is but a dot when we consider the, the linear nature of how we view our lives. For He is eternal in His very nature. And so when we view our lives in this right scale, we begin to view time very differently. That's what James talks about next. He says, for what is your life? He said, it is but a vapor. It is here for a little while. It appears for a little time. And it vanishes away. Last night, Maverick was outside in the cold and he was noticing his breath as children often do when it's cold outside and they get to see the steam that our breath produces when we breathe. And, and he saw it and he said, Dad, most of the time I have to try to be able to see my breath, but it's so cold right now I can see it without even trying. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but what you'll find is when you're paying attention to when you're breathing when it's cold outside, you indeed can see it. But you can't see it for very long, can you? Because that water vapor that you're breathing out as, as you're exhaling, that water vapor, you can see it for a moment up against that cold when that warm air out of your body meets the cold air that is outside, but that vapor quickly fades away, doesn't it? And that's what James chooses to use here is he's recognizing our temporary existence, that our life is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He says, for that you ought to say, he says, in consideration of this, you who say tomorrow you will go and do this and that and be there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He said, seeing that your life is but a vapor, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That our right recognition of today would be viewed in light of what the Lord would allow, what the Lord will have according to the Lord's providential will. Let me say this. If we are to make the most of 2023, we would make the most of it with a right understanding of the providence of God. That it is God who provides all things. That it is in God that we live and move and have our being, the book of Acts teaches us. That is that God who allows us even this capacity today in which we are able to breathe in and breathe out and, and have this being and have our eyesight and have our hearing and have our ability to reach out and to touch and to grasp things. All of this is due to the providence of God. If you had ate this morning, if you had something to drink this morning, it was because of the providence of God. Yet we think somehow or another that we can make plans for tomorrow, yet we fail to realize that even the things that we do today are according to the providence of God. You want to make the most of 2023 comes to a right understanding of the providence of God. 
And when you begin to see the providence of God in your life, of how He cares for you, and of the providing that is done for you and on your behalf, what you'll begin to realize is that you'll see God in a greater and more magnificent way as the One who provides and cares for us and loves us and has His eye upon us, even as He has His eye upon the sparrow who doesn't toil, yet has its provision for it, who we see having its uh, food provided to it in a nest, or when we would consider the fields, we'd see how they're arrayed and know that Solomon wasn't even arrayed in such glory as this, then we would see how much God loves us and cares for us and His providence for us and would change not just our view of tomorrow then, but our view of today. That God is a God of all providence. Do you pray before you eat? It might seem like a small thing. I had a friend in high school. His name was Josh Burrell. He was a really, really good guy. One of the things I will remember most about Josh, he's, he lives in Wyoming, or over in Colorado now. I haven't seen him in a really long time. But I can picture him no matter where we were at, no matter what we were doing, no matter where we were at to eat, him taking off his hat and whispering a prayer before he ate. Why? To acknowledge that that is before us has been provided not by our own hands, but by the Lord. It's important to pray before you eat. Don't lose sight of those small things. Make the most of the moment. Make the most of the time that is before us. If God has gifted us this moment, then certainly we ought to use it for the glory of the One who has provided it to us. That's why James teaches us that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Then he says, but now you rejoice in your boastings. And he says that all such rejoicing, listen to this, is evil. He's saying your plotting, how you think about tomorrow, and your arrogance, that it is evil in your boasting. That you would think that tomorrow somehow is within your control. You ever had those moments and those instances that remind you that you're not in control? Those moments or those instances where God has to ground you that you might know and recognize and realize that He is the one who is in control of all things. I know as we as Baptists sometimes we, we, we grapple with, with the sovereignty of God. We want to be very careful that we're not uh, bridging ourselves into some Calvinistic doctrine. But I want you to know God is sovereign. He is the one whose jurisdiction has no bounds when it comes to this humanity. That He is God over all, and He is Lord over all, and He is sovereign over all. And seeing such that that is the case, then we might rightly look to Him as the one who has rule and governance of our lives. You have professed that Jesus has saved you. And I'm thankful that He has. But have you given Him right rule as Lord over your life? Does Jesus Lord over your life? Will Jesus Lord over your 2023? 
S.M. Lockridge, in that great sermon that he preached on the Lordship of Christ, he said this, he said that the hinges of human history have turned on the strength of the insignificant man who has linked his life with the Lordship of Christ. How might your 2023 be if you spend it in service to the Lord? If you let Jesus Lord over your day each day? I had tried this morning to print out Bible reading plans. I wanted to have some today to, to give to you, and unfortunately I couldn't get that to print at home. But I want to challenge you as we enter into 2023 to spend some time reading and studying the Word of God. Do you know that it only takes 12 minutes of reading your Bible each day to read through the Bible in a year? 12 minutes. Do you know how long 12 minutes is in comparison to the rest of the day? It is 0.8% of a day. Can you give the Lord 0.8% of the day? Be careful how you answer. Did you give the Lord 0.8% of yesterday? Can you give Him 0.8% tomorrow? Now, I want to lower the challenge a little bit. There are 150 Psalms. If you started out today reading one psalm a day, you would finish on May 31st. You can't handle making a year commitment. Make that commitment. Now be careful. There are some psalms that are very short and there are some psalms that are very long. But 150 psalms from today to May 31st is 150 days. Can you do that? Maybe you can't. Let's cut this down a little shorter. There are 31 Proverbs or 31 chapters in Proverbs. There are 31 days in January. If you read one chapter of the book of Proverbs a day, you can finish the book of Proverbs this month. What if you then did that again in February and again in March and again in April? Do you not think that how you would grow in the Lord wouldn't change? Can you make the most of today? Can you make the most of these small opportunities? I, I, I hope you're getting where we're going. He says, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. And he says, listen to verse 17. He says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You probably heard that verse before. You probably heard somebody talk, probably heard me talk, about sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission, those being the things that we do, that we shouldn't do. Those things that grieve the Spirit of God. Those things that transgress His commandments and His instructions to us. Those things that are iniquities. Those sins of our lives that we commit. But we know also that there are sins of omission. Those things that we don't do. Those things that we fail to do. And sometimes I think this verse gets pulled out of context just to apply to that sense. But consider the context that James provides it in. It is in this context of considering the brevity of our life and considering the moment that we have here today with no promise of tomorrow. And he says that therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. It is as though James is proposing to us and, and instructing us that our failure to make the most of every moment in fact would bridge right up to being sinful. That should change the way we consider how we make the most of every moment. 
That should make us reconsider the words that we use from day to day. That should make us reconsider the moments that we spend scrolling on our phones. That should make us reconsider the music that we listen to and the shows that we watch on TV. What if suddenly we begin to realize that our failures to make the most of those moments were grievous to the cause of the Lord? There are some things that we do that are mindless. And if you're like me, sometimes you need a moment to have a moment of mindlessness. But let us be very careful and diligent that we are making the most of every opportunity. I've used that verse, or redeeming the time, I've used that context a couple of times. We find it in two places in the book, in the scriptures, both in the New Testament, both in the pen of Paul. One is in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, the other is over in the book of Colossians. And then we see kind of different contexts. Well, I want to read the, the context that we see in the book of Ephesians to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Same thing James was talking about, isn't it? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. He says, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You want to make the most of 2023. Paul here gives us some instructions of how to do it. How do we redeem the time? How do we make the most of this moment? Make the most of these opportunities? He tells us first to walk circumspectly. To walk carefully in this life. What's that mean? You probably heard that expression or heard that song sung about be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. And so it is that we should be very careful in how we walk through this life. Walking through this life circumspectly considering what it is that we're doing and how others even might perceive us. Not as fools, but as wise. That our actions would be governed by wisdom. And not our own, but by the wisdom of God. He goes on and he says, but we be understanding the will of the Lord is, we already talked about that a little bit, that we want to be drunk with wine where it is excess, but to be filled with the Spirit, that we be sober and sober-minded. Verse 19 says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul is saying, if you want that you would make the most of these opportunities, if you want to walk in this world circumspectly, if you're going to consider these things and do them, that there would be a song that would be sung in your heart with one another and to one another. You don't know how to make the most of the opportunity? Start singing to the glory of the Lord. I made an observation to my wife back in December. I had forget what store I had been to, but I just started noticing that there was a lot more religious songs 
that I was hearing in stores. Religious Christmas songs specifically, but religious songs in general. Seemed like there was a little bit more Merry Christmas that was around. What if that was just how we as God's people populated the world? What if that's how we set the atmosphere of every place that we went into? That as you are walking along through the stores doing your normal responsibilities and deeds, you are doing so with a song of praise on your heart. You ever whistle or hum? What if you were doing those things to the glory of the Lord? These are small things of making the most of every moment. What if instead of sitting down and watching TV, you gathered your family around and you picked up a song and you started singing to the glory of the Lord in your home? Wouldn't that be making the most of an opportunity? Making the most of the moment? Redeeming the time? Because the days are evil. I'm going to get to that point in a moment. He goes on further. He says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that a little bit too. And he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, a lot of people get upset about this fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians because it's where we see this biblical call of a wife to submit herself to her husband. And we wrestle with that. We struggle with that. And you'll see a call for submission of, of slaves to their masters and servants to their masters. And we kind of recognize that of us uh, being in submission to the authorities that are over us. And we wrestle with that. People get all out of sorts about all that kind of stuff. But we fail to recognize here it tells us to submit ourselves one to another. That the right role of submission, there's an order of submission, make no mistake, but the order of submission that we see given to us here, that we would redeem the time, is to submit ourselves one to another. What would that look like? What would 2023 look like for Faith Church if we each continuously submitted ourselves one to another? What would that look like? If none of our preferences governed us, but instead we were wholly and fully and completely submitting to one another and submitting to the Lord. Might not that change us as a church? If we bow down our preferences to one another, submitting ourselves to one another, submitting ourselves collectively unto the Lord, this is what making the most of the time looks like. So what then? Over in the book of Colossians chapter 4, this is the context. He says, Walk in wisdom, wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The context here is that we would be redeeming the time, making most of every opportunity to those that are without to those that are lost around us, that we make the most of every opportunity, of every moment that we have to be an example of one who points others to Jesus Christ. And He tells us how to do it. That we would do it with grace. That our speech would be seasoned with salt and with grace. That our words and how we talk will be reflective of the one in whom grace we have found our salvation. That we might know how we ought to answer every man. Brother Jeff gave a little foreshadowing to what awaits us in Sunday school this year. I'm excited about it, that there be a good series of lessons on apologetics and how we give an offense and how we give an answer concerning our faith. This is how we redeem the time, that we be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. 
I have a couple of other things just quickly that I want to get to. Both found over in, in the collection of Psalms. Turn with me first to Psalm number 90. Psalm number 90. Psalm number 90, the 90th Psalm. This is a Psalm of Moses. It is the only Psalm or only Song of Moses that we have in the collection of Psalms. Therefore, it is also the oldest Song or the oldest Psalm that we have amongst this 150 Psalms collected here in the Scriptures. I just want to read a few verses beginning at verse 7. It says, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three scores and ten, and then by reason of strength they be four score years. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Listen to verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I love verse 12. Maybe because one part of it is it's one of the, the few verses in the Bible that tells us to do math. I like math a lot more than I like English and reading and things like that. But it's instructing us to be careful on how we consider each day. The context here is that what's appointed unto man is three score and ten, meaning seventy years, or if perhaps by reason of strength, eighty years. Now, Moses lived to be 120, so he's not providing precise guidelines of how long man will live, but he's providing a general expectation that men live to be seventy to eighty years old, and perhaps if by reason of strength, they live to be a little older. And he said, yet that seventy to eighty years, it is but a short while. It is but a small span of time as we think about the span of eternity. You probably have heard preachers talk about the dash that you see on, on, a, on a headstone, the dash between the day you were born and the day you died and how you spend that time in between. That's what Moses is talking about here. He's saying, seeing that we only have these days, seeing only that we have this time, teach us that we could count them and remark upon them and know them, that each day that we have indeed is a gift of the Lord. And it matters, therefore, how we spend it. So that we be careful of it. Why? That we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now there's some tricky Hebrew here that we've got to deal with when it comes to understanding this nature of applying our hearts unto wisdom. The context of the idea here is, is that there would be a coming to something, a coming unto wisdom. That we'd be growing or entering into or gaining wisdom. But I really like how the NASB 95 describes it. That we would present to the Lord a heart of wisdom. That all of our growing, that all of our learning, that all that we be doing each day as we desire to grow in the Lord will be done to His honor and to His glory. That we be counting our days, numbering our days for a purpose. That the Lord might be the one glorified as we grow in this wisdom. As we grow in His grace. As we make the most of 2023 that it will be done to the glory of the Lord. You know what's really exciting about preaching this message today? Is it's really easy 
for us to mark, for us to number our days in 2023. Today is day one. It's already 12 hours and 17 minutes over. You've got 11 hours and 48 minutes left to spend it. I think I did that math right. Maybe I didn't. I didn't do that math right. 11 hours and 43 minutes left. Still might be wrong. Anyway, how are you going to spend it? How are you going to spend tomorrow? How are you going to spend day three and day four and day five? Will you make the most of the time? Will you make the most of 2023? What will it look like if you do? Listen, all those big, hairy, audacious goals you have for yourself, I hope you hit them. I hope when I stand here next year before you that I'm 50 pounds lighter than I am now. Y'all pray for me on that. I hope whatever those goals you have to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better mother, to be a better father, to be a better son, to be a better daughter, to be a better brother, a better sister, all those goals that you have for yourselves, I hope you hit and obtain every one of them. But be careful. Because all those goals take into account that we might know what tomorrow holds. But we don't. But what I do know is that as 2023 gets off to its start today, and though I don't know what next month holds, and I don't know what the end of 2023 holds, I know the One who knows every beginning from every end. I know the One who holds all of it in His hand, that even the future to the Lord Jesus is a present. You see that? We use past tenses. We use present tenses. We use future tenses. Everything to the Lord is present tense. I think there's a song that, that gets sung sometimes that remarks how to, to the Lord our future is a memory. He already holds it in the balance. He knows the end from the beginning. Yet we who are here and now, let us make the most of every opportunity. We're called to a purpose. We know that. We're told to be mindful of our brevity to make the most of today in that purpose and to direct our hearts to the Lord. And so as we close, I want to do so by reading to you the entirety of one psalm. It's Psalm number 103. It is a precious and wonderful song. There have been very many, many modern songs that have been taken and kind of authored from it. But I want to read it to you today. I'm going to read it from the NESB 95 version. Psalm 103. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, 
nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Praise God. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion, the King James says pity, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows, listen to this, for He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He knows our frame. He knows our existence. He knows our capacities. He knows our abilities. And He knows that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And it's in its place, acknowledges it no longer. Verse 17. It's one of those wonderful and glorious buts of the Scripture. He says, but... The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness is to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His sovereignty, His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, mighty in strength to perform His word obeying the voice of His Word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you who serve Him, doing His will. Bless the Lord, all you works of His, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Will you make the most of 2023? Pray God will bless you. Bless Faith Church as we enter into this new year. Thank you for listening to me. Lord, I have something to say on your heart, something to do.